Good morning. Welcome to Advanced Sunday Morning Services. Thank you so much for being with me. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. You can get involved by calling 800-411-2663, 800-411-BOND, and or you can email church at bondinfo.org, church at bondinfo.org, and put your name in town, name in town, on your emails. I appreciate it. And good morning again, everybody here. Good morning. Is summer over? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Like, it's like officially over as far as the calendar is concerned? I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Wow. I went to the nights that seem weird in the morning time now. You know how in the morning the days are, it's still daylight at 6 o'clock or 5? Not anymore. Um, let me give you some news items first. This is uh, for the folks in California. This is from the Los Angeles Times. Governor Jerry Brown signed a new law that would allow hundreds of thousands of young illegal aliens to obtain driver's licenses. And he vetoed, it, vetoed another that would have restricted share from helping federal authorities detain undocumented, undocumented Californians for potential deportation. The governor also revived a tax break for Hollywood. Not for us, but for Hollywood folks. <laughs> Not for the regular folks. Uh, and he allowed juvenile killers serving life in prison a chance for release. So if they went if they are serving life, the juveniles are serving life in prison, they can now possibly get out in California. So, you know, you should have a happy neighborhood as a result of this. He also, he outlawed, uh, he outlawed treatment intended to turn gay children straight. And these, this law take effect January 1 of next year. So a lot of new laws for California. Isn't that amazing? This is what's happening in our country. This should really be good for the family. This should be good for those who don't. In California, they have tough uh, laws on the Second Amendment. A lot of folks can't carry guns or have them in your home to protect yourself. So maybe you have to use a knife. <laughs> Yes, sir. So you, you said that's for children, that they can't uh, try to it, talk children out of their homosexuality? Right. Gay children. I thought children. that was just for adults. It says here gay children. Yeah, children. It is for children. Wow. Okay. So you can't counsel them and encourage them to get over the lifestyle. All right. It's against the law starting January. All right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So you can't even help a tormented soul in California. But this is what's happening. And I see a lot of people shaking their head. I was, I was amazed, too. And there's no real outcry about it at all, at all. Not a real outcry. But that's what's happening. Just FYI, this all affects uh, affect the family and our state and the country at large. Because what happens in California also spreads to other states. So get ready for it. Um, I want to talk to you about We've been talking a lot 
about the imagination and how the imagination is the is all ego. It's the nature of Satan. And yet a lot of people are encouraging us to be a part. Imagine this, get into your imagination, be creative and all that kind of stuff. And they're encouraging you to go into that hell. Well, in the Bible it says to cast that down, to bring the imagination into captivity. So that tells me that we can control the imagination. We don't have to live in it. We don't have to be subject to it. We don't have, it doesn't have to be a part of our life. If God said that we should bring it into captivity. And uh, Kelly, you want to come and read this for me? This is uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, 1 through 11. 1 through 11. I just want you to hear this for yourself, all right? And hopefully it will encourage you to get past that. Um, 10 right here uh, to here, to the end of this paragraph. Paul's reply to accusations of weakness. I urge you by the gentleness and forbearance of Christ, this is Paul now speaking personally, I the one who is so humble when he is facing you, but full of boldness at a distance. Yes, my appeal to you is that I should not have to be be bold when I am actually with you, or show the same self-assurance as I reckon to use when I am challenging those who reckon that we are guided by human motives. For although we are human, it is not by human methods that we do battle. The weapons with which we do battle are not those of human nature, but they have the power in God's cause to demolish fortresses. It is ideas that we demolish, every presumption every presumptuous notion that is set up against the knowledge of God, and we bring every thought into captivity and obedience to Christ. Once you have given your complete obedience, we are prepared to punish any disobedience. Look at the evidence of your eyes. Anybody who is convinced that he belongs to Christ should go on to reflect that we belong to Christ no less than he does. Maybe I have taken rather too much pride in our authority, but the Lord gave us that for building you up, not for knocking you down, and I am not going to be shamed into letting you think that I can put fear into you only by letter. Someone said, his letters are weighty enough and full of strength, but when you see him in person, he makes no impression and his powers of speaking are negligible. I should like that, that sort of person to take note that our deeds when we are present will show the same qualities as our letters when we are at a distance. Thank you, Kevin. Huh. So he says that we should bring every thought into captivity and, and, and uh, obedience to God. And one thing I do realize is that once you are outside of your imagination, you are one with God, and then you are able to do the right things do the things that he will have you to do. You're not subject to the world. Also notice that there is no fear when you have control of your imagination, when it's not controlling you. But when it is in control of your life, uh, you have fear, you have doubt, you have worry, you don't have peace. Someone mentioned before we started that I was on BET this past week, and I was, and it was funny I mean, not funny, but it was interesting in that when I was sitting there on the stage, I realized that, you know, like most of the people in the audience and most of the people there were going to be against me. And so right away, I could see all these thoughts telling me what's going to happen. If you say this, if you admit to this, 
you know, they're going to shame you. They're going to do this and do that. I'm thinking, wow, this is interesting how in everything that I do, I'm tempted with the thoughts about the situation, even before it happens, right? And if you listen to that stuff, it'll set you up to fail in situations like that. I now see why some people say things, and when they're under pressure to repeat it, they change their mind about it. They'll say, well, I really didn't mean it that way. Or I meant it this way. Because the thought prevents you, uh, it takes away your willingness to deal with pressure, to deal with challenges that are going to come because it put fear in you. But if you can watch that and have control of that, it won't do it. You have the power and the authority, as Paul is talking here, to do what you need to do, and you bring Satan to his knees, at least his children to his knees. And so there are a lot of folks, I'm hearing it more and more and more, there are a lot of folks who are suffering, not because the situations are bad, but because of what they believe about the situations in their lives. They believe a lie about the situation and just bring hardship and pain to them because they have been told that their imagination is right. Get into your imagination, believe it. You can't believe, or you shouldn't believe anything that your thoughts tell you about anything. I'm brushing my teeth this morning, standing in the mirror, and I realize everything I do this morning, I'm going to be aware of myself doing it. I'm not going to drift off, right? And the moment I put my toothbrush into my mouth, I drift it off. What do you even aware of myself brushing, you know, conscious of brushing teeth? Just like automatically doing it, but not conscious of things that are around me as I'm doing it. And I'm thinking about how much that I can go unconscious. It's amazing how often that is. It's like you just naturally go unconscious without even realizing that you're unconscious. And you can tell yourself, I'm going to be aware of this. I'm going to be aware of myself. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> I'm going to be aware of myself of what I'm doing. I'm going to be aware. I tell myself sometimes, and it's a lie because, you know, I tell myself that when I do my radio show, I'm going to be aware of what I'm saying. And the moment I open my mouth, I forget about awareness. I'll come back, but I forget right in that present. And so it's letting me know, though, that there, there, are, there are two ways of living. You can either live in this unconscious state, ego mind, with darkness, which is of Satan, or you can live alert in the light, which is of God. And I think it's amazing that there are two ways like that. If you start to pay attention to yourself, you discover that there are two ways. The unfortunate thing is that for so many years of our life, we've been lied to about these things. These things have not been taught to us. The preachers have brought them up. They'll read the Bible, oh, bring every thought into captivity and obedience to Christ. They'll, tell, they'll just read that scripture, but they don't present it to you in a way where you can get some understanding about it. We don't have to be living the way that we're living, but we got to overcome this ego. We got to forgive. We got to overcome anger so we're not controlled by that. I'm amazed at the fact that we can live another way. I really am. And when you live that way, Everything just kind of unfolds and works out. It works out for you. You don't have to worry about anything. And that's God loving us. He's made a way for us. I saw a couple of hands. Yes, sir. The mic is not it on. Pa it passed. It passed? Oh, okay. Did I see another hand? 
Do you guys see what, ladies, see what I'm talking about? You see that happening? We got to bring these thoughts into captivity. And the way to do it is to first, you got to realize that you're in there by overcoming your anger. Because if you don't overcome the anger, you can't help but live in darkness. This other way, it'll give you glimpse. It'll allow glimpse to come so you can see if you're a seeker. But you're not going to be able to really start to separate from the darkness until you can overcome your anger, until you can forgive. That's why God said, before you enter into the kingdom, you must forgive. You're not going to enter into this other source until you can overcome that. Yes, Kevin. Um, Martin brought up something very interesting about um, the thoughts in the little pre-Bible class. Um, and that was that he, he mentioned they don't always come in the form of words. It's not always like a big, long sentence. Right. Is that the case? Is that? No, it's not always a long paragraph. Yeah. Sometimes it's just to be, it could be just one word. Yeah. Or one idea. Or one little something that you did in the past to make you, you know, focus on it. But when you're unconscious, and we're often unconscious, you don't see that one suggestion that's been given to you, right? And now you're feeling all worried or painful or and, and you don't quite know why. You feel a little sad or you feel a little glad. You don't quite know why. Be- why? Because you didn't see that ego suggestion coming to you. It can just sneak up on you. Like some, I've noticed that actually. It like hits like a lightning bolt, and it's just a second, and it conveys this whole idea. But it does. Yeah, it's it does. weird how that is. And when that happens, the best thing to do is not to react to it, but just simply become aware of it, and know that it's, it's not you, and know that it's the ego at work. And the reason you're feeling this way is because something has been suggested to you, and maybe you didn't see it come up. But there was a, a suggestion made. Then you just, you, you may have to go through a whole day or a week with the pain of it. But if you just be aware of it, eventually it'll work out. And after that, you get a quiet, nice joy, a peace that come with that. Once you, that is over with. But yeah, it can, it, it's amazing. It's just, if you really want to know what the ego mind can do, which is upstation, be aware of yourself. Just be aware of what's going on with you. It looks like he get worse because it's dying, the awareness of it. You don't want to control it. You don't want to deny it. You just want to be aware of it. You just want the light of God to shine on it because if you put any effort into this at all, uh, it's all spiritual. Paul said it's not like human thing that, things that we're dealing with. We're really dealing with spiritual things, and we are not in control of it. And the more effort you put into it, the worse it's going to get. Let me take you here first, and then I'll come to you, Pat. Um, she had mentioned that uh, Martin said that without uh, words, it, it comes thoughts come to you without words. I was, what came to mind is the, the fantasies, the delusions of grandeur. That, that sometimes constantly the ego, you constantly want to see yourself through in a visionary form, as being great, yeah. as being you know um, a leader, as being. Um, Something that brings attention to you, yeah, and it, it comes in. It comes in pictures, and uh, you know. Yeah, it's amazing to me too that this, these things are going on within us, and we can pray for years. We can go to church until the cows come home. We can read the Bible. We can give money to the church. We can call ourselves Christians and not deal with this, not 
You can like live a whole lifetime not understanding it, not dealing with it. And the ego just drive you through life. And, you, and then you have to justify your suffering. You have to do this because you don't quite understand what's really going on. It is absolutely mind-blowing. But once you tap into it and start to wake up to it, you're on your way. Once you become aware of what's really going on, you're on your way. A lot of folks are suffering unnecessarily, folks. They're suffering from a lie. And the more you respond to that ego, the more it drives you into a wall, in a hole. You can't give it any play at all. Isn't that amazing? You can't get it, give it any acknowledgement at all. You just have to observe it. Observe the not you. That's all it takes. And I was thinking, wow, it's like God doesn't really require a lot of us. All he asks is that we come out of the now, love one another, and he'll do the rest. Be aware. You got to have love in order for this to work. Yes, Pat. Do we have the power to forgive or does God have to cause us to forgive? For me, he had to cause me to forgive. And primarily because I was convinced by my ego that I had a right not to forgive, to be mad. Or I had a right to blame others for what I was feeling and thinking and going through. So I didn't, even though I had heard about forgiveness, I had tried to forgive at times when, you know, the preachers say forgive, you read about forgiveness. And I'm like, oh, I forgive you. All right, I'm sorry. But it wasn't until he caused me to forgive that that happened. We don't have the power to even forgive because forgiveness is a spiritual thing as well. There's stuff in the, uh, there's things in the Bible that say, uh, like the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Yes. It, it kind of reads as an implication that, okay. And you, and it does you, sound even that even way. the way that you said it earlier, there's some implication that, okay, go ahead and forgive as if we can do it. And then after that, this and such and such will happen. But there's some kind of implication that we can do something about it or we're able to forgive. Yeah. Well, of ourselves, we can do nothing. And our battle is a spiritual battle. And 25 years ago, well, first I asked God to let me see myself. He showed me I was no good. Then he allowed me to see that it was the resentment that I had for my parents first. He allowed me to see that. He caused me to become sad about that. I was made to be sad. And it wasn't a sadness that you feel with the loss of a loved one or if you lost your money or if you lost, it was a different kind of sadness that came upon me. And, and once that left, I was free. Because in that sadness, I was able to see that it was wrong for me to resent my parents because it was judging them and all this stuff was coming back on me. So he caused all that to happen. Because I know some people hear that, oh, now they hear me say, oh, I felt sad. And in my sadness, I forgave. But the sadness that I had was a sadness I never had before. And I've not had that sadness since then. And yet, there's, uh, let's say if you look at a thought, you know, we did an experiment in the day where you watch for the first thought, let's say. Yeah. When you do, it doesn't come. Right. So, so that shows that there's something that you can actually do, for lack of a better word, that causes something to happen kind of automatically, so to speak. That's an interesting point. Very interesting point. But what, what, what happened is when you can see your ego like that, those thoughts that are presented to you from Satan, 
It's not you that are uh, allowing yourself to see it. It's God who's causing you to see it. He'll allow you to see. We can't see that on our own. If we were able to just see it on our own, everybody would be free already. But it's not, but it's not happening, happening naturally. I can't think of the right word here. Based on having an experiment, you, say, you tell somebody, look for the thought, right. and then they won't see it. But if they didn't do that and look for the thought, the thoughts would be continuously pouring in. Right. So in other words, they're doing something to be looking at the thought, and the thought doesn't show itself. I understand what you're saying. We did a, at our men's forum this past Thursday night, which was excellent, by the way. Really. Were you there? Yeah. You were there, right? It was something else, right? But at the end, we did the prayer where I said, sit quietly. And I said, before you close your eyes, what I want you to do is, is to become aware. Be aware of the first thought that you get. Just be aware of that first thought. But, but the fact that I said that awakened your consciousness and caused you to be aware of that. In fact, I made that suggestion to be aware is what woke it, you know, brought you to that. Yeah. T- says something to you, it, it, it awakens something. Yes. And it can allow something to take place. That's right. That wouldn't have otherwise. That's right. Okay. Yeah. When I suggested that, that's what brought that awareness to you. But during the day uh, and at night and during your life, if you could just remember to be aware, you know, like, wow, I, I got to be aware. Just simply remember that. That would bring you to it as well. But again, you go unconscious and you forget to be aware. But when you become aware, you bring these thoughts into captivity and obedience to God because the other life source come forward. It just, it just come forward and it's quiet. It guides your life. It's like you just, like yesterday, for example, my day just happened. You know, things just came about. I did what I needed to do. I did them in a timely way and there was no stress with it. It just unfolded throughout the whole day because I was not lost in my imagination. Yes. There are a point where what you kind of have to be reminded to do becomes somewhat of a natural thing that is kind of being done continuously without you having to remember that. (laughs) Yes. What I noticed is that inside of us, there is another, uh, and it's beyond the ego, but there is another life source within us. It really is. And when you become aware of that, and you, during the day and you know, at night or whatever, when you're aware of that, you can feel that energy just take over your whole body. It's like it, it awakens, and it's a love-like energy, for lack of a better word. And it feels like a whole source that's taken over you, and that's what guides you. It's amazing that the more you become aware, the more you practice that every day, the more you become connected with this other way and less connected to your ego. There is a a love or energy or life source of something else that's in us. And it's strange to know that because in the natural, it doesn't look like that is, you know. But there is another energy that lives within us. And it's good. Uh, I find that to be true, too. And again, it's like a, it's something of a practice. Uh, yes. The, our, our Bible talking uh, earlier was talking about something of a practice in terms of meeting weekly and things like that. But there is something of a practice 
to it that brings more awareness to to that to that part of you that's the real you let's say yeah uh, when you say practice what do well, you mean as you say the more you do it you're doing something often like you're sitting down and you're praying let's say every day and you're kind of practicing being with the real self you're there's a certain commitment to it that you're working, I don't know, how, I mean, I'm using words here, but you're kind of working with God, in other words. You're showing a certain amount of uh, faith or, or whatever it is that you're willing to kind of do that every day. And as you do that, he's making your real self more apparent yeah. to you. Yeah. I like it, too, because even you get up in the morning, you have your quiet time, and God said, get up early in the morning and know him, be still and know him. But during the day, you could just... Let's say you go unconscious or you lose that sense of awareness. You can just sit in your office or in your chair there with your eyes open at your desk and just be come back to the awareness. Look around you, come back into reality instead of, instead of uh, all lost in your head. And you can feel that other life source come up in you as well. You know, so yeah. I guess for the lack of a better word, it is something you got to do. But you're really not making it happen. It's just the awareness of doing something is making it happen. We are not in control. Well, you have to do it, but as you do it, you want to do it. Yeah. So it's not like a... I know. The more you do it, the more you want. Yeah, because now you're realizing there's a, a better way to live. Yes, Kelly. Oh, Frankie, you had a question, right? Did it pass again? I have it. Oh, okay. I noticed in myself I'll that, come back to you, Kelly. that when I... Uh, um, the mistakes I make is when I go unconscious, especially when I'm driving. I yeah. actually go to sleep. And I've talked to people who the same thing happens. I talked to a guy at work. He said he went to sleep on his motorcycle, and then he, he woke up. You know, well, you say went to sleep, like unconscious sleep or really went to sleep? Exactly, unconscious. Oh, unconscious okay. yeah. sleep. Have you ever drove or went for a ride with Patrick in his car? No. Never talked to him when you ride with him. But I, I've done he that. passes every every location we're supposed to be going to. He he gets off on the wrong exit. He takes the wrong freeway. He cannot talk and drive. Do not speak to him while he's driving. It, ta- it takes focus. But myself, when I used to work at night, I've driven 15 miles all the way home, and I don't know remember how I got there. But I've gotten all the way home in the middle of the night, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, and I. I this is, you know, I wasn't drinking or anything, but I got all the way home, and I, I don't remember how I turned and got on the freeway, but I was totally unconscious. Yeah. Uh, I've also done work at, at my job, and I've messed, messed, the, messed the job up, and it was because I've, I've lost my focus, and I was unconscious, and I was just operating mechanically. Yeah. And because I didn't have the focus to, to operate with the close tolerances, I, I blew it. Uh, it's amazing that we can go unconscious, though. That's just, like, mind-blowing to me. We can be human beings walking around in an unconscious state and not know it. It's like a little a camera lens flips, and you're unconscious and not even know it. And yet you're functioning, you know, you do things, but you're doing it in an unconscious way. That's amazing to me. I ha- Let me see. I have this desire to understand this thing clearly. I want to know this way more than anything else because it's so interesting to me. You know, I, you can walk around with your eyes open like a walking dead person. You can, be, you can function, but yet you're unconscious. 
you can't hardly believe that with your mind, you know. But it is absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, yeah, let me take Kelly over there first, and then I come to you. Uh, you were mentioning yesterday how your day just kind of flowed and just kind of unfolded on its own. You got things done in a timely manner. Yes. Uh, it was interesting that you said that because I notice when I go unconscious, um, I do things like I have to do twice as many tasks, <laughs> and I'm more stressed, yep. and I'm using tw- at least twice as much energy. And it's really incredible to see that. But that's what happens because I'm more reactive. I'm like, oh, I need to do something to prevent that. And then, you know, I just end up doing more work. <laughs> yes, ma'am. God is something. I said to him when I was driving home, I was like, you're something else. Look how things are happening, you know. <laughs> you ever say that to God? You're something else. I'm like, you're something else. Well, it's interesting. This life is so interesting to me. And what I notice, too, is the more aware I become, the more conscious I become, the less I need and want to do. You know, there's not a lot of stuff you want to do, you know, but when you're unconscious, you can't find enough stuff to do. And so you'll call people you don't want to talk to. You'll, you'll just create craziness when you're unconscious. But when you're at peace, when you're conscious, it's just you get some things done and you, you're satisfied with yourself that these things are done. It, 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 it's, it's, uh, I understand that I heard somebody say once that paradise is lost and found in the mind. I totally understand that. I'm understanding it even more so. And I'm always understanding stuff. I'm always understanding it. And I love it. And I want you to be that way. I want you to know that there is another way to live. But you got to have love in order to enter in. You're not going to enter in with anger, with resentment, with overreacting to your fellow man, with judging yourself and others. You can't enter in. you got to forgive and then come into this reality that I'm talking about. Because that anger is of Satan, and Satan cannot live in the light. He cannot live in the light. You gotta forgive, you gotta forgive before you can enter in. And then forgiveness isn't something you can make yourself do. You just need to realize you're an angry, out of control, no good person. Judgmental and all that kind of stuff. Once you can see that, then the, the process, for lack of a better word, begins. You can't enter in with anger. I can, now, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I can tell you that I have no anger, no resentment to, toward anybody on earth, nor toward myself. Because the more I realize about the ego, I realize that the things I've done, because I was unconscious, I can help myself. And I'm sorry about those things, but that's all I can do. I'm not going to judge myself and keep myself in hell trying to play God with myself. It is what it is. It happened. Everybody who, are unconscious, who is uh, unconscious commits sin. You do things you regret later. Or you wish you had not done. Isn't that true? But when you're conscious, you bring this stuff into captivity, then you're obedient to Christ. Yes, sir. I don't think we're giving enough due time on, and talk about the bad thing of being conscious, you know, about how bad it is to be conscious, how much work it is, how much um, stress it brings. And I mean, because it was so, 
if it's so wonderful, why are we, we, we seem to run from it. I seem to run from it when, let's say, what I'm conscious of isn't so comfortable. You know, because con being conscious can bring about discomfort. Even if you're conscious bring that you're... Bring it by how? Bring it by how? Well, let's say um, you, you see these certain thoughts come your way, and you go with them, kind of suspecting you shouldn't, you know, not letting it pass, but you go with them anyway, and you, and you uh, uh, suffer what comes. But there's a light, like there's, but the thoughts are so compelling because they seem to have such wonderful things attached to them, like, you know, self-glorification and pleasure and, and um, well, just those two things alone. You know, that's, that's the draw to thought. Consciousness doesn't seem to have that same draw. It's like humility, you know, you're, you're being put in your place. Uh, you know, th there's, a, there's a downside that keeps most people from pursuing consciousness. Or, or they run up uh, when they're trying to be conscious or, or want to be conscious. Let me do this for a minute. Girls, go back in the classroom there because that paper making too much noise. Go back there and draw, okay? Thank you. Okay. I've noticed that when I'm conscious, at least when I believe I'm conscious, I can, I can see what's coming at me and I give into it, you know, that... I know what it is. What, what saying, it is it is that... A stronger draw than being conscious. What it is, you haven't suffered enough yet and you don't understand the devastation that is coming as a result of giving into these things. And, and God is good and he'll look out for you for a while. He'll warn you. He'll give you some hints that what you're doing is leading to destruction. He'll try to let you see us. Look at what you've already done and, you know, look what happened. You, you just won't listen. But just keep on doing what you're doing and, and, and claim that you can't help it because of this or that. And I pray that you cut it out before you destroy yourself or before it destroys you. Some people are so stubborn in their ego, they need, they need destruction before they really start to wake up and take this thing and get over it. And so you may be one of those stubborn ones. No, there's no maybe about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to be totally destroyed before I wake up. And I, I want to take these hints that God has given me and watch over me before I destroy myself. And, and so I'm willing to just go through this ego dying in order to be saved. I don't need, I don't need any more destruction, you know what I'm saying? But it sounds like you do. So just keep on what playing it with like, it. What it sounds like to me is, you know when you read about heroes and then you try to go out and actually be one? There's a big difference, you know, in, in admiring right. heroes, admiring heroes, admiring the conscious life, yeah. and actually taking that That's step right. through the, the huge difference, you know, that I have not been able to yeah. actually go beyond admiration. It's amazing. To a certain point, you know, I'll do it for a little while, and then it just doesn't seem to have roots in me. Yeah, you just haven't suffered enough. Keep on. Just play with it. Talk about it, but don't do it. You see what happens. It's amazing, though, that you can talk about this, you can read about it, and not do it. Isn't that, like, amazing? You can know that it exists, 
and not do it. That's mind-blowing to me. But it's so like that. And it's only because some people would just take a lot of suffering. They, they, you know, they just have to go through it and go through it and hopefully they'll wake up before they drown. So keep talking about it, keep dancing about it, and keep doing it. And you'll see. And then you'll be willing to take the pain of the ego. It's amazing, too, that, that and all these things are amazing, because that's the only word I can think of right now, is how God does not force us to do anything. He'll give us a little warning sign. He'll let us feel a little love and show us, well, you know, there's another way. But he'll just let us, he, want, he doesn't want us to destroy ourselves, but he will let you go down that pathway and destroy yourself. Because he's not going to make you change. He has made the way. He's given us the way. He lives inside of us. He loves us. He warns us. He's like a good parent. He warns us, but he doesn't force us. Isn't there something? But we as earthly parents, we try to force our kids to change. We try to force other people to do what we want them to do. And if they don't, we're going to talk about them behind their backs. We're going to treat them awful. And it's nothing but ego, nothing but will. Let me... Did you want to do a follow-up on that? And then I'll take over here. I did because, you know, I, for one, would kind of appreciate being forced to do that. But, um, you know, because I don't have the confidence after all these many years that I will ever. So it w I wouldn't be all upset if I was forced to be good. You know, but, and, my, and, and, and my salvation came to me against my will kind of thing, but what you're saying, it sounds like it, you know, because you read about predestination and, and, and the, you know, the sons who before the foundation, and then Paul says, well, if you weren't one of those, you know, um, well, too bad for you, you know, who are you to say I was made uh, uh, this way and not well, the better way? Well, God is not going to force you to love him. Yeah, that's And so that's, if he forced you to do this, it would, really not. If he forced you to come unto him, it wouldn't be real love. You would be doing something against your, your will, and he does, he's not going to do that. you got to come freely. And you can't even come kicking and screaming and acting crazy. you got to come willingly. you got to let go and, and come because you want to love him and love your fellow man. So it's not going to happen that way, buddy. You ever tried to make someone love you? You know, I... <laughs> As I've been going through my life, I've been hoping to see some kind of thing, you know, some last thing that I'm not seeing that causes me to want to stay that way, you know, and uh, whether it's how the thoughts actually work or, or unforgiveness. I had, this, I had this unforgiveness episode just a few days ago, yeah. you know, where that's I, why you see, want, I wasn't That's why you haven't entered in yet because yeah. you still have unforgiveness in your heart. I, I could see it at work, and it wasn't really wanting me to, you know, come out of that. Yeah. And yeah. where I wasn't really wanting to come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to let the anger go. You must forgive, and then you can enter in. All right. Yeah. Let me take the young lady there. Yeah. And then I'll come to you. It seems that uh, becoming aware that your unconscious is conscious for lack of a better word, is what maybe the first step. And what I've seen in my own life is then it's patience.
because speak up a little bit for me. And then after that, patience, because what I've learned in my own life, or what I've observed in my own life, is that I don't think I've ever wanted to meditate to you know get in the present, because it goes against my own will, my ego. Yeah. I you that's the to me that's what you have to discipline yourself to do. Because I don't think you're ever going to willfully or get to a point where you want to do it. Because your thoughts are always going to come in and you'll get busy and you'll want to do something else. But if you discipline yourself to just sit still and be patient and meditate, you'll see the benefits working in your life. And you can't force it. You just have to be patient and it'll come. But it is possible, though, to get to a point to want it, too. See, I, I really want this. I want God's will. And I'm not wanting it. I'm not wanting it with an ego reason to want it. I want it because it's possible. I want it. I want it because Christ died and made it possible. I want it because I want to be His son and He to be my father. I want Him to be my father. I want it because He made it possible. And so, if He made it possible, and this other way I'm living is all hell, I want this other way because I know what hell is like. And I would just, you know, I want to live and experience the love of God in every area of every minute of my life. And because I believe that that's possible. I just believe it. So I do. And then wanting is not like, it's not like I can't describe in wanting. It's just that I know it's possible and I want it. To me, it's a slippery slope because you also don't want to want it because you don't want to be bad. You want it to be good. Right. And you want to feel guilty. So I think when you're first starting off, you know, I think you just got to be patient and just let it take its toll. And for some people, it may take be patient. work. Yeah, just patience. Yeah. Stick with the prayer. Be patient. But you got to stay with the prayer. Correct. And then I had another question for you. Uh, what's the difference between motivating and manipulating? Motivating and manipulating. Motivating and manipulating. They may be the same. Motivate, because if, if you motivate someone, you got to make them, you somewhat got to lie to them. <laughs> you know, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. It's in you. Uh, you're wonderful. You know, you got a lot to them. And, and so it's, um, now I'm not like all in, intellectually smart like that, but it sounds like both are the same. And then manipulating someone, you got a lot to them too, you know. The reason I, I think that came to my mind is, you know, sometimes we do good things because we're, we feel guilty. If we don't do good things, we're going to be bad people. And it seems that when we motivate someone, we might do it with an intent to be good, but really it's out of guilt, but yeah. they're both bad. It's all ego. So, Kelly, am I right about that? Motivation and, and what's the other one? Manipulation are both the same? You have your little degree. <laughs> um, what does uh, manipulation mean? Can you define that? Getting someone to do what you want them to do. Oh, look it up on your computer. Manipulation is bypassing someone's will through trickery. Manipulation is what? Bypassing someone's will through trickery. And what is motivation? Motivation is 
um, allowing them to think also that what they want to do is what they want to do and not what you want them to do. So you're still bypassing them. Yeah, you're still tricking them, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they both sound the same to me. (laughs) So both are the same. I, I, I I can't remember when the last time I tried to motivate anyone. I don't believe that you can motivate anyone. Because we all have our own will, and we have to be motivated from within. It has to come so from within. That, yeah. But I think that we tend to overlook motivation because we give, or again, our ego. We think it's good to motivate someone in what we think they should be doing, but either of the two, you're interfering or boosting the ego. Um, yeah, that's a very good question, too. Motivation or manipulation. And people do that all the time. As a matter of fact, you're taught to motivate. Uh, you need to motivate them. They need motivation. And then you may motivate them to do something, and you're motivating them to do something that they should not be doing. It may not be the thing they should be doing anyway. And, you know where and then I see once it? they get it, they're like, you motivated me to do it, or manipulated me to do it. Because kids, I hear kids complaining all the time that their parents are motivating them to study hard, put in the long hours, go to this school or that school, and then they get there and they're mad at the parents for, for making them do it. Do it. So. And that's where I've observed it in children, that I've seen yeah. a change from parents may not want to discipline their children and take things away, so they overcompensate and yeah. over-motivate. But I've seen or I've observed that it almost has the same effect because it's an instant gratification. Yes, ma'am. Life should be naturally unfolding where you don't need an outside motivator. When people call me up with questions, I can tell right away they're trying to get me to get them to do something. I'm like, look, you got to find this within yourself and do it. If I tell you to do it, you're doing it because I'm telling you, and then it's not going to work because that outside motivation doesn't last that long. You know, it's like putting a little bit of gas in your car and you got a long distance to go and it runs out, right? Now you got to go back to the tank. So if you motivate someone from the outside, you got to keep motivating them or they'll find another motivator from the outside to do it. So I'm learning not to motivate people, tell them to find it within themselves. I don't have anybody motivating me because I want I want that natural motivation that comes from God. I want to do it because I see to do it and I want to do it. I just do it. Yes, John. Oh, uh, I I want to confess something. Uh, Last week, uh, we was talking about a uh, family situation yeah. um, here at the church involved me and my wife. And as I noticed that uh, as you were telling me the truth, uh, I noticed that uh, I was going unconscious. It was almost as though uh, your mouth was opening and words was coming out, but it wasn't <laughs> like totally getting in. Yeah. I, I noticed that um, last yeah. week. The ego didn't want to hear that. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, that's why you went unconscious to it. So did you watch yourself this week and did they get better for you in that uh, situation? No, not yet. Not yet? <laughs> but uh, I, I did notice, um, I remember one time you mentioned that you was um, um, at an airport and this thought told you, you went and got a soda and this thought told you, oh, it's free, go get another soda. And... Uh, I can see that my thoughts are telling me different things about my situation and, yeah. and my wife, and I, I can see that, that, well, I can't really see, but I just noticed that, okay, these are, are those thoughts, but it seems like I'm still connected to them when yeah. they're telling me 
uh, situ uh, about my situation and about my wife. Um, you mentioned that we, we were traveling, Doug and I was traveling, coming back from a speaking engagement. So we get to the airport and we order two lemonades and then we go sit down and I'm drinking my lemonade and I could barely finish it. I had enough. And then Doug finished his and went and got another one. And when he came back, I said, did you pay for another lemonade? He's like, no, it was free. You get a second free refill. And all of a sudden, my thoughts started telling me I wanted another lemonade. I'm like, wow, I can get another one. Because it was kind of expensive to buy it in the airport. And it made me think that if I got a second one, then I'd be getting my money worth, even though I did not want it, right? And I'm like, wow, look here. Look what it's doing to me. And when I realized it, I did not go and get it. I was done with the lemonade. But it was interesting to see this. And that's what's going to happen when you wake up. You're going to see what's been driving you. And it has not been you. And it's driving you right straight to hell. And then when you start, another thing that's going to happen too, when you wake up and start, as Patrick was talking about earlier, practice living that way, the ego is going to go wild. There are going to be days where you're going to have to live with ego pain. You just have, it's like you're going to have to live with it until it's over. It's going to give you a headache. It's going to hurt your stomach. It's going to try to make you not want to function. There's a guy right now who told me he, he can't even go to work because of that ego pain that he has. And I said, you got to go to work because the more you give into it, the worse it's going to get. Uh, some years ago, I was under pressure at one of my jobs, and I could barely function. I could barely breathe. I had grief pain in my stomach. The mind was just going wild with me about what's going to happen, and I could barely function. And I would go and do my job and just go back home and fall out on the couch for dead. You know? <laughs> like, you know what, Lord? Whatever it is, let it be, let it be. And then got up the next day and just put one foot before the other and did what I had to do. And then eventually it was gone. You're going to have to live with it. Don't let it shut you down. Because it's trying to shut you down. It's trying to cause you to give into it. And the more you give into it, the more life you give unto it. And the more you, I mean, you're just getting worse. It is really trying to get you to react. Give into it. And it's going to be painful. Don't worry. It's not. You're not. It is dying, but you're, you're coming alive. You're beginning to live. And don't worry about it. Because some people say, well, when will this all end? <laughs> I've suffered long enough. It's going to end when God says so. When the Father says it's over, it'll be over. But don't worry. Be happy. It will end. And you go function anyway. And let it just talk to you. Let the pain be there. But function anyway. Why are you looking crazy? You scared now? No, no. It just, uh, I'm just considering, you know, the two um, things in life. Uh, either you're responsible and there's something you have to do or it's predestination. God is going to cause you to do something. And I think I'm leaning more now toward, because it hasn't worked for the last 30 years anyway, I'm <laughs> leaning more toward... Um, um, uh, it, it's on you kind of thing. And yeah. I would have been much better off had I believed that all these years instead of, you know, the other way, that it's going to come to you, God's going to cause you to forgive, you know, that kind of thing. He will. No, he definitely won't. 
it's 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 got to be you, and then once you do that one thing, the only then thing it takes over. And the only thing that is required of you is to realize that you're wrong, that you're not God, that you're wrong, that no. something is wrong. He's I'm, like, no. No, I'm not. I'm not because I've seen that. I've done that. Been there. I'm still doing that. Maybe you haven't yet. really seen it. Well, maybe it hasn't been revealed. The only way I was able to even see that was that I asked God to let me see myself, and He revealed myself to me in the depths of me, in, in, in a way that I could not see myself. He revealed the darkness in me because you, you can see yourself all messed up and acting crazy and doing crazy things, but that's not seeing yourself. That's seeing the action of what's going on inside of you. That's a reaction. The way you act or the things that we do is a reaction of the way that, that we are. It's from the way we are. And so even in seeing yourself, you can't see yourself. You just have to know something's wrong. I want to change and ask God to let you see it, and he will reveal it to you. That's a very, very good point. People think that they are seeing themselves, and they are not. You're seeing a reaction to what you are. Uh-huh. What do you think about that? Yes, ma'am. So would you say that if you see yourself in the third person, then you haven't really suffered enough? Well, not seeing myself as a third person, but seeing the darkness that was inside of me that I was not able to see before. You know, I can see that I'm doing things wrong. I can, you know, I was able to see that I was angry at times. But that's really not seeing. That's seeing the results of what you are, the wicked heart that you have. God have to, it appears that, well, for me, God had to, caused me to see the darkness that was in me. Because I couldn't see that with my own eyes and I couldn't feel it, but he allowed me to see it. Very good point. So you don't really see yourself. You see the reaction of what you're doing. You see sometimes Satan makes suggestions to you and you give in, but you still haven't seen yourself yet. The darkness. I mean, I've The seen, wicked heart. But I think I've seen enough to know... <laughs> to know that I have this, this um, resistance to forgiveness. You have a resistance to it? Yeah, yeah. I do. I, you know I, what, I actually what have I would, a, what I would, because an time, allegiance to it. What I would recommend to you is that you get rid of all those words and thinking about it in that way and simply ask him to let you see yourself. I wouldn't be thinking about predestination and all that. I never think... Think about that kind of stuff. And maybe because I'm not educated. But I never, I, I don't be thinking about all this stuff you're thinking about. I just want to see and live. You know, I, I, I don't want to be balancing things out and determining, putting these words, attaching these words to them because God's way is not my way. And, and the words that you put to it, to what's going on, are not his words. It could be nothing what you think that it is. Individual souls are going either to heaven or to hell. Indivi individuals, you know, you, you go as an individual. You're not necessarily going as one, you know, one big, I, I can't take anybody with me. I can't take anybody Make with me either way. Make a long story short because of time. What's right. your point? So 
individually things are we as individuals then are responsible in some way, shape, or form if we're to, one way or Responsible to admit that you're wrong. Yeah. Well, that's it. For whatever we're responsible for. Right. To, to, for that change to finally happen, you know, right. a permanent change of state of grace kind of thing. Well, let me, let me put it this way. You're, res- you're responsible to know that you're wrong and then ask God to let you see it and then everything works out. Your responsibility is over. You get up, you pray, he guides you. Like Satan is guiding you now. Satan is guiding you. So what will happen is when you can admit that you're wrong, maybe I, just, maybe I should suggest that you just ask God to let you see yourself. Because you, it sounds as though you haven't truly seen yourself. Because when you truly see, see yourself, unless your heart is just so heartened, you're going to change. When you really see the depths of what you are on the inside, when you really see what that ego looks like, you're going to change. You're going to change. When you see the hell that you're in, you're going to change. Yeah. And you can't see that of yourself. Yeah, I can see the outward manifestations. I agree with that. I can see that, you know, yeah. like anybody can. Yeah, but right. But I don't think I've seen it enough to actually change. I didn't even know, I didn't know that it was possible to, to be that dark on the inside. And I didn't know that. I know, I've read in the Bible that every man and woman heart is wicked. But I didn't know that. Because we walk around dressed up, we take a shower, we cut our hair. We look like we're okay. But I didn't know the depths of darkness that can dwell in us because, until it was revealed to me. Anybody ever seen that in themselves? He has revealed that darkness to you? He revealed it to you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on for the mic. Oh. Yeah, I, I believe I've been revealed. Uh, a few things have been revealed to me, but I'm still stuck in the sense of, uh, yeah, I can see it, but I can't overcome my own stubbornness, being attached to it or it attached to me. Would, right. You can't overcome it yourself. It's enough to know that you are attached to it. You identify with it. Well, I don't like the idea that... You don't like I it? I know that... No. <laughs> I don't like the idea that um, something that the Almighty hates, or well, not hates, but he d- doesn't like so much, I don't like the idea of it having such free will reign to attach itself to me. And I feel like... Oh. You know what? You're going to suffer there as long as you have that attitude about it. Because even though you, you, you say to yourself, I am not God, but yet you're playing God. All these things that you're judging like that. I don't like this and I don't like that. You're judging the situation rather than observing the situation. You have an opinion about the situation rather than observing the situation. So you're playing God. So I should have no opinion about it? Yes. No opinion. Even though you know... That no ob- God doesn't like it. He doesn't <laughs> want it to be around you. He doesn't want it to be a part of you. But, and most of all, he doesn't want you to play God. All right. Okay. And that's what your problem is. You're playing God by judging this situation. Oh, God doesn't want me to do this. But I, God you know, the thing me. is, I just don't want to go to hell, you know. <laughs> but if you keep the way you're going now, you're going to go to hell. You got to stop playing God. You got to observe and not have an opinion about it. You want, to, you want to stand at the gate 
and observe. So you can see the master when he comes past, when he goes past. You want to be the observer of life. You want to bring all thoughts into captivity, the observer. But you got to let anger go so you can stop playing God. Thank you folks for tuning in. I appreciate it. And thank you for coming. For more information, to purchase a copy of this program or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND. Police fired flashbang grenades and rubber bullets at demonstrators. When we walked through these doors last year, our first and most urgent task was to rescue our economy. These steps have saved or created about 2 million jobs so far, but more than 7 million have been lost as a consequence of this recession. We have to exterminate white people off of the face of the planet to solve this problem. As long as white folks are afraid and they have this false guilt about black folks, uh, we only it's have a only going to get worse rather than getting better. Surely you don't believe that what this nut said is representative of African Americans, do you? If it's not, why didn't we hear an outcry from the black community? New York became the sixth and largest state in the nation to allow gay marriages. Every family is based on love and is exactly the way God wants it to be. the founder, the president of the group Bond, the Brotherhood Organization for a New Destiny, which I am a proud board member, the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. For the last 21 years now, we have been rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. As you know, we have a home for young men that we bring in from around the country, and we show these guys how to overcome their anger first. Because if they don't forgive Everything else that we do would be in vain. Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson is the founder and president of Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. What is that? We are rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. We have a home for young men from 13 to 25. We show these boys how to overcome their anger, forgive their parents for not being there, stop hating themselves and others. We help them finish school, find jobs, start businesses. And I'm proud to tell you, we have done it without the help of the government. We have not received one penny from the government. We need help. We need financial help. We can use it. And our battle is not a battle between blacks and whites or whites against blacks, but good versus evil, right versus wrong. It is so important to me that men and women understand how important it is to get men to turn back to God. What people don't realize is that there is a spiritual order to life. And when that order is broken, the family is broken. And I have to tell you, families are in crisis today. It is amazing to me to see the destruction of families today. 
America is in an extremely serious crisis. Men and fathers are under attack. Families are being torn apart. Time is running out. For over two decades, Bond has been helping men and families find a sober mind and a peaceful heart in an increasingly dangerous world. We must reach millions more. Help Bond restore our families and our country by making a generous tax-deductible donation today. We're not going to be able to rebuild America until we can rebuild families. Men have to lead the way.